This week on the Jock and Nerd podcast, we review part one of Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelation Netflix series. Plus, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney. The Venom sequel drops a new trailer. Warner Brothers finds it's Barbara Gordon for their HBO Max Batgirl movie. And a whole lot more, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, August 2nd, 2021. This is Norm MacDonald, and you're listening to the, uh, uh, hang on, I got it here. Uh, it says, the Jock and Nerd Podcast, known for their series of gay erotica found on Amazon, huh? No? That's not that? Oh. <laughs> well, I fucked that up, I guess. That's right, what's up, listener? Hello and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name's Imran. My name's Rug Boy. <laughs> he's the Rug Boy. And he's the nerd. Well, somebody's missing. This is the Jock and Nerd Podcast, and the Jock is missing Rugs, Anthony was at Lollapalooza all weekend. So he, he never came back from Lollapalooza? I, I don't he's know. missing? No, no, he's not missing. He's okay. Calm down, everyone. Oh, okay. I was getting worried. No, no, he's fine. He's just tuckered out and needs to recover. Oh, he just raved himself to death. Yes. I don't know. Is, that, is that a thing? Do they rave anymore? It's possible. Have you seen how those <laughs> Does people... anyone rave anymore? Are they still raving out there? So What's it called now? Is it wilding out? <laughs> like, what is it? What the, what's the lingo? All I know is this show is going to be two old men who don't know. Is it getting turned? Is it getting is lit? Is it getting what turned up again? Are we all the way up? He was litting. Yes, he was like he got too lit. Listen, we're gonna let him sit this one out uh, because uh, you know Lollapalooza. I wanted a quick review. Maybe we'll get him to tell us about it uh, next week. But the mayor Lori Lightfoot here in Chicago got a lot of shit. It went off without a hitch. Three hundred eighty-five thousand people. They said, "Oh shit!" Showed up, uh, and you had to prove you were vaccinated or had taken a negative test to get in. But if I went, I would definitely test myself afterwards immediately. Oh, yeah, right. there's definitely people spreading that. Delta! Yeah, look out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, next week, we'll get Anthony back. In the meantime, Rugs, lots to discuss. Let's get to it. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. So, listener, you've probably seen this story by now. Uh, it's a story that was so big, it made the real news, Rugs. Oh, this is how big it was. Legit news. It made legit news. Of course, I am talking about Scarlett Johansson, the Black Widow herself, suing Disney. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. Why is she suing Disney? If you haven't heard, well, she is suing for alleged uh, breach of contract as they release Black Widow on Disney Plus Premier Access for $30 when in her contract she was... Uh, supposed to be in a theatrical release and she has bonuses tied to theatrical release and so she's saying she didn't get those bonuses from the lawsuit the exact words here rugs quote disney intentionally induced marvel's breach of the agreement 
without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel. Uh, to recap, yes, it came out on Disney Plus and it, it opened to a pandemic era best of $80 million North American box office, earned a nid- another $78 million overseas. Then it pulled in $60 million on Disney Plus. And right now, the movie total is sitting at about $343 million. Well, if her beef is that she was cut out of the Disney Plus money, then she's got a legitimate claim. Because she, if she's saying, listen, we didn't release it in theaters, that's fine. But you guys released this shit for money, and I didn't get a cut of that because I didn't make a deal for Disney Plus. That's kind of fucked up. I don't know so if that's I, what she's saying, though, because I don't know. I'm just that's how I'm reading so it. The, when, the Wall Street Journal broke this. And in that they said that uh, I think she, her beef is that because you released it on Disney Plus, the I, we didn't make as much ticket sales in the box office, causing them to lose their number about 50 million dollars in well, loss bonuses. Oh, shit. <laughs> If you're not talking about her cut of Disney Plus and you're just talking about what she should have gotten in the theaters, well, they did release it in the theaters and, you know, they did release it on Disney Plus, but her deal was whatever she gets from the theaters. So if she got nothing from the theaters, then that's that's too too much for her. Was like, but- that the deal is the question here. I actually have an audio clip from Disney. Here's their response. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Yeah, oh, that sounds just like Disney. Yeah, they're not they're not fucking around. Uh Disney, so there's so many crazy things to this rugs. First of all, it is so public. You know, on the one hand, she did wait until after doing the press, walking the red carpet, smiling for the cameras, talking about Black Widow. She waited till the movie came out. You know, she could have been uh bringing this up and causing issues beforehand. So, is this a class classy move or classless move to you? As I said, I don't really understand this. Uh, I I don't know if she's mad about not getting the theater money or not getting the Disney Plus money that she should have back ended. I don't know exactly. I if it's one of those things, if if it's the first thing where she didn't get theater money, well, that's too bad because that's what it made in the theater. But if if it's over being included on the on the take for the back end of Disney plus, I think that she's got a legitimate gripe. Now what's Disney say? What's Disney's answer? Disney didn't handle this in the best way. Perhaps their response was quote, there is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in it's callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, okay, that's one thing. So they invoke COVID. Like, does this have anything to do with COVID? Yes and no, right? Well, but well COVID, yeah, absolutely is does. a factor. But then they also, in this response, released they, how much she made. They were like, we already gave her $20 million for, but, and I think that's a little fucking, that's shitty to put, put someone on blast uh, about their salary. But Scarlett did start at first with this, timed wall street journal you know report article well the thing is that people already dislike scarlet for lots of different things oh really she's done in, in the oh, recent past yeah. oh, boy you know ghost in the shell the movie where she was playing a uh, trans person and you know they 
so like she's got a lot of people shitless already. Um, so it's almost if a guy did this, if a guy was like mad that they didn't get their bag, they would get dragged over the coal. So I'm glad that she's getting a little bit well, of no, the same treatment. What if it was like Robert Downey Jr.? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so then you're like, then I'm like, well, where's Kevin Feige? How does he feel? Feige is on Team Johansson and is angry and embarrassed at the response Disney has. So there's uh, apparently, if you listen to John Campia, there's been a lot of infighting anyways about this Disney premiere release uh, strategy. They just did Jungle Cruise uh, and that came out and that's the last one. They don't have anything else planned. But this is kind of like, uh, will this open a can of worms, do you think? Because there's rumors that now Emma Stone who was in Cruella and Emily Blunt, maybe who was a jungle cruise are going to bring lawsuits. And I saw some other lawsuits. And I think this is going to be lead to a wave of lawsuits against uh, these releases. I think they should, they should sue. It'd be fun for Disney. to get these. <laughs> uh, I mean, Disney, like fuck them, you know, they're making so much money. Come on. Disney like, has a lot. I'll, Disney has a lot of money. Exactly. They can afford. And this is, this is their top tier talent. This is fucking, she's been in nine movies as Black Widow. She is there, like, almost from the very beginning. She is an OG Avenger. This is wild that she would, that they would go public with this. How much money do you think Disney has banked in the past, like, 10 years before this pandemic? Oh, it, but yeah, the MCU alone has made them, you know, 10, 20, 30 billion dollars easily. So how much money do you think they lost this year? Oh, see, like I Maybe, don't know. like, $6 billion? Like, you know. I mean, the most. that's, but that's the thing is like, they're, 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 you know, obviously they decided to release it because of COVID because they couldn't, they did delay the movie a year. She was worried about, you know, people coming to see the movie. They did delay it a year and whether, but they're like callous disregard for COVID. Meanwhile, their fucking parks are open and they're just telling people to wear masks and shit, you know? Yeah, it's pretty fucking so they're, hypocritical. They're yeah, genius, of course. So it is like fighting a big corporation, but it's wild. But then I saw this article from the Hollywood Reporter headline: Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow lawsuit is game changing, but may be legally weak. These guys are saying basically, uh, if this doesn't get settled, if it goes into arbitration, Disney's probably going to win the case uh, for well, a bunch the, of reasons. Yeah, they're, they have more power that simple uh they probably have better Look, lawyers disney disney you see with the parks open and all that other stuff yes. even though they do everything in their power to project this like you know super like friendly corporation that's altruistic and progressive and this and that blah 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 behind the scenes they're all about the benjamins baby absolutely and they don't trust they, that yeah you family can't trust friendly this shit. facade no way, dude. Because they are cutthroat. So part of me is cheering for the Scarlett Johansson. Go get your money, girl. Yeah, you deserve it. Uh, but the other part of me is like, then, every, you know, everybody's going to do this and we may not get movies streamed at the same time. They could have sidestepped this whole thing by going, listen, Scarlett, here's exactly. an extra bonus. Exactly. We're, we're really like, you know what it is? Like, you shouldn't have to sue. Like, I think that what this is how big gigantic conglomerate corporations things like let her fucking sue us let's see what happens right. we won't give her a fucking dime yeah. and they'll blow all of that money on the legal team when they could have just cut her a check and she would have probably left them everybody alone oh yeah you go to her and be like look we're altering the deal we'll give you a cut of the you know the disney because release they 
they don't want to be seeing it seen as like, Oh, we did this for that, but everybody's going to have their hands out. So they want to like stamp it out. So everybody just goes to fuck home. Man, if this thing does go to court, everyone's going to be watching very closely. It's going to be wild. Do you think she, uh, this is the last we see a black widow or she was a producer on black widow. I believe she wanted to still be involved. Do you think they, they're cutting ties or this is just business and, uh, don't move on. I don't know. I money talks. So if if it's in their interest to make money, they'll fucking do whatever. They don't care. Disney at the end of the day. Um, God, I, they're going to make money. The thing, I love them and I hate them at the same time. I'm so conflicted. You made some great shit, but Jesus Christ, Disney, you're also just a fucking evil uh, Bond villain sometimes. Jeez. As the great rock band said, uh, Pedro the Lion, <laughs> they said, if it ain't making dollars, it ain't making sense. It ain't so, making <laughs> sense. Name. <laughs> yeah. Not funny. Anyways, <laughs> listener, let us know what you think. Join our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. Get Become a part of the United Nation of Jocks and Nerds. We're all in there. We geek out. There's lots of great articles, great threads and memes and spoiler threads for shows. Uh, check it out. Lots of fun. Uh, other bit of uh, Marvel Disney news rugs. Hawkeye, the Hawkeye Disney Plus show. It has a date. It's coming out Wednesday, November 24th. Okay. And that's all I got about that. That's all there really is to say. You excited for the Hawkeye? We're going to see the Florence Pugh, uh, possibly. You're going to see uh, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop and Echo and Jeremy Renner is in it, obviously. I'm excited, I guess. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, somebody fires an arrow, <laughs> shoots an arrows. I love it. They made this release with a, uh, you know. yeah, they, they put out a photo to announce the date. And the photo is just literally them. They're just standing there holding like a bow in their hand. Like, let's see. Hmm. Yeah. I've watched five years of CW uh, arrow. It's gotta be better than the first season of arrow. That's for sure. It should be. I don't think it, you want to know what? I don't think it will be. Cause the first season of arrow is pretty fucking engaging. It was pretty fucking good. You have failed this city. Yeah. Will he have a catchphrase? <laughs> is he going to yeah. copy Oliver Queen? Yeah. Also released just today, uh, Marvel Tangent, Sony Marvel, Venom sequel, Let There Be Carnage, another trailer. And we get a really good look at Carnage in this one. Rugs, what did you think of the tone of this and and uh, the Carnage? I felt like it was a very ridiculous movie, but... I can see how it's done in the name of entertainment and stupidity. So it is like ultimately one of the stupidest things I've seen. But uh, I also, <laughs> oh, I kind of want to watch it. Like, I guess it's like a car crash. I, it's, it's, I, I want to yeah, see. Yeah, I've, I've still got geek boner for this because this, first of all, this fucking, it looks so cartoony. It looks ridiculous. The CGI even just, it looks uh, okay. Right. Uh, and some of the jokes are whatever. It has a couple of things going for it, though. We have Andy Circus directing. You got Woody Harrelson, who's great at just chewing the scenery. Uh, and then you get great shots of Venom walking through the prison. But w- wow, it looks like a, not even like a video game. I don't know what it looks like. But I'm, for some reason, uh, I'm looking forward to this. It's one of those things where some things just don't work for me. Like this portrayal of Eddie Brock as a reporter, like, he no, doesn't seem like a reporter, and he doesn't seem like Eddie Brock. Yeah, he's not Eddie Brock. He's not a reporter, but he is a weird character with weird he, speech patterns. Yeah, he just seems like a weird. And then Venom sa- seems like he's 
he's written funny at least like he's I, I understand like they're writing him as like this id you know this like evil version like the evil guy on your shoulder type thing that that, that has to like the tyler durden basically <laughs> like uh, in in symbiote form yeah it's so it's jokey it's goofy but maybe andy circus can pull it off it looks better than the first one i guess already because at least there's just like one bad guy. I guess there's going to be Shriek in there too. And he's a different color. That is kind of funny when Venom's like, oh shit, it's a red one. And then he disappears. And that was the best, best Brock's line in like, the whole oh, thing. Come back. What are you doing? So Venom. I'll let you eat everyone. Yeah. And he's like, oh, right. you're a loser, Eddie. So Venom clearly is scared of the red one. I don't know what that means. We'll find out. Another thing interesting. This movie had a release date of uh, September 24th, right? But if you look at the end of this trailer, it just says exclusively in movie theaters this fall. And the tweet that the they put out, it said in theaters this fall, it did not have a release date, which makes me wonder, maybe are they thinking about pushing this back now from September? Hmm. It's very curious. I don't know. They, they probably want to see how this all pans out. I guess everybody's, I don't know, hedging their bets. Because if they delay this, this is Sony. Sony's also going to give us the Spider-Man movie, and I don't want them to delay the Spider-Man movie. When's that coming Speaking out? Speaking of this, that's December, right? Right. And we have not had a fucking trailer for Spider-Man. Oh, shit. Speaking of this trailer, I mean, look, they have two movies to go, and maybe I feel like now they're going to wait till Eternals. Are they going to wait till one month out? What is the deal with the Spider-Man movie? Uh, Blake Braden uh, shared a TikTok on our Jock and Nerd Nation here, Rugs, and this guy gets it. This guy knows what I'm feeling. I'm just going to share my frustration through a TikTok video. Look, man, I don't even care if Toby or Andrew show up at this point. Like, is there a movie at all? Like, y'all couldn't even show us a little something on Spider-Man Day? All y'all, all y'all gave us was this super vague-ass set photo of Spider-Man waving at Doctor Strange's house. I mean, yeah, we got the Let There Be Carnage trailer, but... I don't care about that, man. You think I give a fuck? I mean, I do. I'm going to be reacting to it on Twitch later, but still, that's not the point. <laughs> give us something. Oh, shit. Uh, I guarantee you it's coming out as we finish this show. It'll be dropped. And then we'll be like, oh, we just recorded the show. It, yeah, it was just Spider-Man Day. Nothing came out. People were like, oh, Tom Holland's birthday. Nothing came out. I don't. There's something weird. I don't know what they're waiting for. Give us something. How did you celebrate Spider-Man Day? I forgot that it was Spider-Man Day. Oh, shit. Oh. That's how I celebrated. That's a big oh. fuck up right there. I did this Spider-Man as a, when I masturbate. Oh, you know what? That's like when you Lobby throw jock. whatever comes out. Yes. As you throw it you against go, the wall, you, you make go <laughs> you make the web. Uh, that, that is a move. That is an official. That's exactly that's what Tobey Maguire was doing yeah. in the first Spider-Man. Go webs. <laughs> He's trying to yeah. jerk off. He had webs all over oh his Oh, my God. It made like, Peter, what's going on in there? Don't that was such a here. masturbation like <laughs> reference if there wasn't one. Organic Shooters was definitely. <laughs> yeah. A and they're clear. It's clear. A coming of age metaphor. <laughs> pun intended. Oh, yes. yes. Anyways, I don't know. How gross is, how gross is that when you <laughs> Like organic web shooters. It's so gross. Yeah, but it's strong uh, webs you can swing on. Yeah. It's a guy. He shoots ropes. He's shooting ropes. <laughs> he literally, it's in the title. Yeah. Spider-Man 4. He shoots ropes. 
Uh, do, what if they don't even put out a trailer and they just put the movie in? They need to put out. People need to know what's coming out. <laughs> they have two more movies before it and three fucking shows and there's too much shit. So I'm like, they're going to wait. They're going to wait till after Eternals and give it like three weeks. That's when this trailer's coming out in November. Mark my words. Well, since I don't give a shit about Spider-Man, especially MCU Spider-Man anymore, like I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Like I mean, I'm not getting my my panties in a bunch. Like, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there. Like at this point, but like if I if they're teasing at this multiverse thing, maybe don't put out a trailer. Just fucking put out the movie and tease tease away. Uh, let's switch to some DC EU news, DC Comics right. news. Uh, over on HBO Max, Rugs, they are making a Batgirl movie. Oh, good for them. They have cast Barbara Gordon. She is going to be played by Leslie Grace. Uh-huh. Who, uh, we, we just saw in, in the Heights. She was uh, Nina. Very, very attractive woman. Yes. Very pretty. And she, and she was very good in that movie. I got to tell you, though, in that movie, the girl that played um, Vanessa, you know, Vanessa, Melissa Barrera. Wow. She's worth watching the movie alone right there. Oh, um, yeah. She's very attractive. Yeah. I almost I was like I was caught looking at her over Leslie Grace. But Leslie Grace is very good. So they have a Batgirl. OK. And what's weird is that J.K. Simmons, old jacked J.K. Simmons, in talks to return as Commissioner Gordon for this Batgirl movie. Oh, shit. Okay. Is that weird to you? Because they're making a movie right now where Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> this is the Batfleck universe, James Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that was kind of odd. Yeah, well... It- you know, this is DC. They don't do anything that makes sense. So it doesn't surprise me, whatever they're doing. I'm not, uh, I'm not surprised by it. I, I don't care what they do. They, they could do whatever they want. It's fine. I mean, um, I'm psyched to see JK Simmons as back. I mean, do you expect any kind of things to make sense when it comes to DC anymore? No, it's just, you're going to have JK Simmons playing commissioner Gordon and J Jonah Jameson at the same time. That's wild. Yeah, they don't care. No, nobody the, cares. They could do that. It's fine. These Warner Brothers doesn't care. Nobody cares. Any no only thing that care only thing that matters is money. That's all. Are people gonna tune in for this shit? Are people gonna talk about it on Twitter? Are people gonna make videos about it on YouTube? And that's the algorithm, my friends. Are you excited for Batgirl? Remember, this is originally Joss Whedon was gonna do this. He is not doing this. This is coming from the Bad Boys for Life directors, Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fala, and it's going to be written by Christina Hudson, who wrote Bumblebee. I'm sure it's going to be Batgirl-esque, whatever. I'll watch it. I'll probably watch it. It'll be uh, it'll be as much Batgirl as Catwoman was, Cat- oh, was Catwoman. But no, I mean, it's got to be more than that. That was uh, barely Catwoman. I mean, whatever. They can do whatever they want. I don't care. <laughs> All right. You know yeah. what? You Isn't could, it great that like I used to care and I don't care anymore? We've worn down rug boy. Listener, you can <laughs> I do, just let do whatever you want, guys. Do whatever you want. Yeah, and have you, fun. You know what you should do, rugs? You Enjoy. should you should visit our uh Jock and Nerd T public shop because there's a sale. Oh shit. Oh shit. I need to buy a tank top so I can show my guns. Yeah, show your guns with the Jock and Nerd tank top. Visit jockandnerd.com slash shop this week, August 4th to 9th. Those tank tops up to 35% off. But there's also T-shirts and travel mugs and coffee mugs and face masks because rugs 
they are some states where you're going to need the face mask again. Oh, yeah. There's so, a, it's a thing there's that's a happening. Mandate. Yes. There's a mandate. There's these things called mandates. So, look, uh, refresh your face mask collection with a Jockener face mask. 35% off this week. Jockener.com slash shop. All right. Last thing in the news I want to talk about, Rugs, this uh, Peacemaker HBO Max. Another HBO Max DC thing. They're pumping these out because they got they need to put things on HBO Max. Uh, John Cena's Peacemaker, which we're going to see in the Suicide Squad very soon. He's getting a spinoff show. This show will premiere on January 16th, 2022. The first three episodes will be released at once. Uh, and that's a Sunday. And then I don't know if they're going to release them on Sundays or Fridays. I don't know. But I think there's about 10 episodes. Uh, so John Cena in the ridiculous helmet. We'll have a spinoff show. Are you excited for the Peacemaker? Are you excited for Suicide Squad, Rugs? It is uh, August 6th this week. It's 96% now. Rotten Tomatoes. Get you know that the Rotten Tomatoes score means nothing to me. It's only 99 reviews, and the average rating is 7.9 out of 10. Yes, so whatever that means. Yeah. Whoever these people who are working for the system, reviewing stuff, I don't give a fuck what they say. I just listen to myself. And I'm usually right when it comes to myself. So I just do that. Um, let's see. Uh, am I excited about it? I think it's going to be fun. So I'll check it out. As I said, um, James Gunn's doing what he usually does. He has characters that no one gives a shit about. And he could pretty much do carte blanche, whatever he wants with it. And no one's going to really care because, you know, there's nobody has any, you know, skin in the game here. So. He's going to be able to just let his shit run wild. And I'm happy to see it. And if the humor is, uh, is, is good and everything works and the action is fun, you know, it might be a good time. I the can't theater. wait the early. Everybody's saying it's bad shit. Crazy. I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. And there are uh, two post credit scenes, everyone. So one after like the mid credits and one all the way at the end, apparently. So stick around in the theater or just fast forward. If you're sitting at home, which is what I'm going to be doing at the HBO Max uh, premiere on my couch. Do you remember the movie The Big Hit? No, The Big Hit. What's The Big Hit? It's a fucking bad movie. I think it was like Mark Wahlberg and like a bunch of other, like Lou Diamond Phillips and a bunch of other people. 1998. Yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips, Mark Wahlberg, Christina Applegate, Avery Brooks, Bokeem Woodbine, Antonio Sabato Jr., it is one of the worst movies you'll ever see. Okay. Why did right. this come up? Because <laughs> back in the old days, when you go in to see a movie, like you didn't know, like it was going to be a joke, jokey, you know, silly movie. And well, unless you read the reviews of it before you went. To see right. It. So this movie had the trailer look like it was like a badass action film. Right. And we went to the theater. It was. The silliest fucking stupidest movie I've ever seen. I have never walked out of a movie more pissed off. Oh, my God. I'm like, this <laughs> movie oh, is fucking dumb. Fuck that show. <laughs> and then I just fucking said, who made this bullshit? And now we're like going to the movies. Happy to see something like this. Isn't that crazy? We're like, we're like going to see like we're like gung ho to see a movie like this. So I don't understand. You're saying Suicide Squad's going to be a bad movie like this? What is what? No, I'm saying that we didn't at, at, during those days. We didn't know what to expect. We're going to the movies to see an action film. We think it's going to be an action film. It's going to be this great action, and it's just like this silly, 
ridiculously bad movie. And we're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. And, like, the reviews are that are terrible. Like, completely. Now we're, like, clamoring for a bad movie that's apeshit and batshit crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but it can be crazy and batshit and not be bad. I think Venom is a movie that I know is going to be – it's going to suck. It's going to be silly. But I'm actually looking forward to that. And I know walking into that that I can we're, enjoy We're talking about level. two movies that are, quote, unquote, batshit crazy. Yeah. That we're fucking amped to see. Okay, I guess you're right. I guess it's kind of the same thing because it is just <laughs> as silly and comic booky. The Suicide Squad is. I mean, they got fucking Polka Dot Man and Starro. Yes, yeah. So I get it, but it's the genre. Like, like when when I, we went to go see the Mystery Men, remember that movie? Yeah, that was a great movie. We knew what we were getting into. It fucking had Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo and fucking all these comedians in it. You knew that it was no wasn't going to be a, a real action movie, right? You knew it was going to be a stupid film that was going to be like mostly comedy, right? So it's kind of like knowing what you're getting and being okay with it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get a James Gunn movie that has crazy action and silly comedy. Yeah, I and, know what to expect. I'm not right. going to be shocked in any way. Okay, we'll see next week. And I got to remind uh, Bilotti because he is going to be joining us on the review next week. I'm pumped. Yeah, me too. See how excited he is? He's he there. is going to love it because he loved Guardians of the Galaxy, too. It's one of his favorite movies. So oh, this is going to be fun. Fun his review. His dick is going to be as hard as Onyx. Next week, everyone. For now, we're going to take a quick break, play some promos, and we'll be back to talk about Masters of the Universe right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. I'm Imran. And I'm Sophia. I'm the brother. And I'm the sister. And we are watching a show about cousins. We're your hosts for Dance of Joy, a Perfect Strangers rewatch podcast. We grew up watching the 80s hit sitcom, and now we'd like you to join us every week as we rediscover our love for our favorite TV cousins, Balky and Larry. You can find our show at danceofjoypod.com and on all major podcast platforms. Now we are so happy, Sophia. We do the dance of joy. Iman, this is a podcast. They can't see us. Oh, Popo. Big on America. Your organization's terrible. Hey, guys. This is Jason Dutch with Dig on America Podcast, and I'm here with... Big Hops. Do you have and to say your name so weird? <laughs> you want me to say? <laughs> and I'm also here with... Mikey Famine. The extruser. Excuser. Throw it over. No, it's staying. No, it's staying the way it is because this is the way the show is. Big on America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. Uh, a little bit about us. I'm your resident brother of the league. <laughs> I Very love America so much that I demand she be better through constant criticism and protest. Thank you. And uh, in your Obama voice, Mikey. I don't oh, like Obama. Of course you don't. You also don't like bathing and healthy meals. What Dig on America is, is it's a healthy criticism of a country. We <laughs> America's already perfect. You should know we're perfect just like my hands. Well, I mean, a lot of people might say that, but those people probably haven't gone to school or brushed your teeth today. So um, we're going to ignore them. But yeah, check out our show. It's unbeholden to any um, corporate overlords, except for Jay-Z, the Bilderberg yeah. Foundation. George Soros sponsored. George Soros. The Clinton yeah. Foundation. Absolutely. And uh, let's not forget Emotep. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. You can check out all of our audio. We're on every single fucking audio podcast app there is out there, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. I won't. Go fuck yourself. Dig on America. Doc and Nerd. Listener, if you enjoy the show and you want to support the show, this is a great time to join our awesome fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jock and Nerd! And you can support the show for as little as $3 a month. You get access to a exclusive RSS podcast feed where the shows come out early. There's bonus content. There's occasionally sports talk, but there's instant reactions to things. And whatever fun content we want to throw out, we put up there just for our fan club members. And if you sign up $5 or more, we you get access to our Patreon-only Discord server. You get Discord benefits and we are hosting monthly hangouts we just did one last week rugs and it was actually a lot of fun and people really dug it what did you think it was a good time and i'm hoping that it keeps growing i think we had uh, twice the amount of people that we had last time uh lisa morrison one of our biggest supporters and patrons was there and we got to meet her and have a, a big discussion. There was like, well, somebody leaving Jose out. Jose Ibarra was there. Chaz oh, Hebert was there. Vera of course, Lieber Chaz. Does. It was, it was it for us. It was like meeting celebrities. You guys that we communicate with, talk to in the Facebook group and see all the time. Uh, and it was just fun uh, hanging out and geeking out. I know it's crazy, right? They, they listen to our show, but they come to our uh Facebook group and then they talk and then they become celebrities to us. We're like, oh, this is somebody who always contributes. This is always like, somebody Holy has- shit, Lisa Morrison. Next time, Steve Morrison, you're getting on the thing. Uh and speaking of next time, it is uh gonna be Thursday, August twenty sixth this month, tentatively. Maybe you can get Anthony involved in this. Maybe one. Anthony will be there, eight thirty PM Central. Check so you know, consider signing up at five dollars a month or more or bumping up your pledge to the five dollars to join us on the Discord. It's a lot of fun. Jockanerd.com. Yeah, we're learning Patreon. how to use it. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting better. I'm going to figure out how to share audio from YouTube videos uh, the next time. Okay, let's get to this week's review rugs. We're going to go from one uh, controversy, the ScarJo controversy, to another controversy, uh, which is, of course, Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 1, first five episodes on Netflix. Here is your spoiler alert. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. This thing got a lot of people talking as it was finally How do you want to tackle this? Uh, Because, like, we could talk about the show episodically and what transpires, or we could talk about the drama, and then we can relate it to the show. There is two aspects to this, uh, definitely. What do you want to do? All right. Well, I think that we should describe what, what, what it is. And and then why is there drama? Exactly. I like that. Let's break down like what actually happened if you hadn't seen the show. And it's really, they're only five episodes. They're like 24 minutes long. It goes right. by really quickly. Rugs, what happens in episode one, The Power of Grayskull? Well, what is, what is, what is this show? This show is, okay, so Kevin Smith uh, was hired to create this show that is basically a continuation in many ways to the cartoon to be a show for the fans that are now older who bought the toys and who were into He-Man back in the day. 
And this is supposed to be like uh, what everyone's been waiting for this, you know, this story of He-Man, the, the resolution to the story, uh, the next phase of the story. And so basically, if you ever watched He-Man as a kid, it's all about Skeletor trying to get into the castle grace. Yes, that's all he was ever trying to do over and over again. And uh, and it's also like, you know, He-Man and secret identity was Prince Adam and his dad was a, was a king who was always like throwing barbs at him for being a lazy kid, but he didn't really know that his son was really He-Man. And the same thing was with Tila, which is the woman who trains him and basically watches over him. Um, doesn't doesn't know that he's He-Man. So when we pick up in this series, it really does lift off right where, like, if you watch the show and you went and watched this, you would know exactly what was going on. Skeletor's trying to get into uh, Castle Grayskull. Everybody, including He-Man, Man-in-Arms, Tila, everyone has to race to cra- Castle Grayskull to save the sorceress and keep Skeletor from robbing Castle Grayskull of its magical powers and secrets. Right. So that's what happens in episode one, basically. Uh, and then Skeletor has this brilliant scheme where he tricks He-Man into stabbing him. So his sword is the only thing that can unlock this thing that's holding the power of the magical power of Castle Grayskull. Now, if you know anything about He-Man in the lore, the elders of magic hid all of the secrets in Castle Grayskull in, and a lot of it was in the power sword that He-Man uses to become, well, Adam uses to become He-Man. A lot of the magic is in there, but the remaining magic, which is something new we never knew, is that they keep it in this other chamber, the rest of the magic. So He-Man stabs Skeletor in, in this big battle, and the sword goes through Skeletor, but it also inadvertently unlocks this this thing that's holding all of the magic, and the magic gets released, and I right? think it's kind of cool how you see that Castle Grayskull, it was a facade. It it becomes the actual Hall of Wisdom. And you see that that's really what that building is there. At this point, He-Man has to call on the power of Grayskull to absorb all the magic that Skeletor just released. This causes the sword to split into two pieces and causes him to return to his Adam form his non-He-Man form, in front of Tila, who didn't know this whole time that Adam was He-Man. And then a giant energy wave explosion happens, and seemingly Adam and Skeletor die at this point. Oh, shit. So here at the end of the first episode is the thing. Remember before the show aired, we were like, oh, we heard that he's going to kill He-Man at the end of the first episode, and that fucking happens. And Skeletor also uh, seemingly dies. But, look, it's a fantasy show. You know, people, when they die, they don't die. Right. Uh, Anyways, the first episode ends with Duncan, man-at-arms, getting banished, and Tila is mad, and she quits because everyone kept the secret about her friend Adam. King Randor, who is He-Man's dad, or Adam's dad, he didn't know, and he felt betrayed by Duncan, and so he fires Duncan. He says, I can't trust you to be my man-at-arms. And Tila for some reason is so shocked that that uh, Adam is He-Man that she decides to quit, which makes doesn't really make a lot of sense. He's like, I'm and, done. And like there's grieving parents that lost a son, but for some reason her struggle is is way more mm, that's a good potent, point. Potent dude, their son just died, dude. Like a man just sacrificed himself he did to, to save, save the universe. Yes. And she's mad at him because she didn't tell him that he was He-Man. Yeah, she's like, got how a grudge. would that have changed anything? 
yeah, in the story. Good. It that's, wouldn't. That's a good point. I so did. I feel like right off the bat, the writing is a little bit suspect right the, here. The, yeah, the writing is a little bit all over the place in the whole series. It's not yeah. the best writing. There has its moments. I did like in the very beginning of the episode, they used the original toy packaging and poster art that oh, yeah. I remember and that was fantastic this so, place this story has so many easter eggs so many call outs to the old toys yes the first episode is full of toys and vehicles yeah. that you had as a kid right absolutely uh, so episode 2 we jump ahead an indeterminate time later and Tila is now like this mercenary well basically Tila gets uh, so it's a time jump and now Tila's no longer, you know, man at arms or, or or servant of Eternia or warrior of Eternia. She's kind of like a mercenary that kind of just does these odd jobs. She has a partner named uh, uh, Andra. Andra, yes. And uh, they kind of do these jobs together and, you know, they're friends or whatever, more than friends. Who knows? It's intimated. But yeah, the point is, is that an old woman gives them a mission to go. And now in the vacuum that has uh, since... All of the magic of Eternia has been dissipated it's by gone. Adam. No more magic. There's no more magic. So yeah. what fills the vacuum is technology, right? Yeah, I kind of loved how Triclops is now leading this anti-magic cult, and they worship the motherboard. And that's the big conflict, is like Triclops has well, risen they, up. They the kind of glaze over that. It goes yeah. away really quick. But yeah. it was a cool idea, cool yeah. premise, and yeah. then they never, they never really uh, use it to its full potential. But... So anyway, she gets hired to go and retrieve something, um, which is, and the woman who hires them is really evil Lynn in disguise. Obviously, of course, it was, yes. And this kind of um, causes them to all start kind of working with each other. So Tila now is working with evil Lynn, who used to be her biggest enemy. Right. And Andra, they're all kind of like this girl power team that are now looking for man-at-arms because... The idea is that they want to reform the power sword and and reignite the last bit of magic in Eternia to save Eternia from, like, you know, losing magic. And we find out one half is in Subternia, which is hell, and the other half is in Preternia, which is their heaven. So they got to go to heaven and hell and get the two swords. So it, it is like an odyssey. It is like yeah, a true it's a, odyssey. It's a, it's a true hero's quest. They got right? a, uh, former enemies have to now join together to face a greater threat, which is the end of magic, yeah, which is kind of cool. I well, like that. Also, we should mention throughout the episode, there are flashbacks with He-Man and Tila. So He-Man is in the show. He's in every episode. He's in every episode, but he's he's kind of he's in a flashback. It's, it's not the same it's, thing. Well, but. and then the flashback is used to inform the present, uh, where you see great cameos from like Merman and Stinkor. So, anyways, but it's not about He Man. This is all to flesh out Tila's story. It's not Tila's you in journey. A, That's you're a good not, point. You're not really learning about He Man in the, any of these flashbacks. You're learning about her relationship with He Man. I, I, but I didn't mind like the different perspective on this story for this first half. And again, it's just the first half. So I thought it was interesting. Yes, I, I also thought it was interesting. All right. So anyway, we're, we're on this adventure. You know, this Odyssey with. They got to go to heaven and hell to try and get the sword. They got to find and, Man at Arms first. And I loved Orko. In this show, I thought he was uh, what he's one of my favorite characters because he's always been silly and he sucks at magic. And you do get like kind of a little bit of background on Orko and but then they kill him. Yes. And- well, but that that's an amazing <laughs> part. So they they pick up now. It's Man at Arms, Tila, Andra, Evelyn, Beastman, Orko, Roboto. 
are are this crazy team that are going uh, to hell and heaven to get to get this sword. And I thought episode four is where it really it picked up. And by the end of episode four, where Orko sacrifices himself, you got Scareglow. We could talk about Scareglow. That's a crazy deep cut too. When they go to hell, but I thought episode four was the worst episode. Really, in the whole I, I, dude, I love that moment at the end because you know Orko is talking to Lynn and they bond about. I e- think that none of that works. Really, none of that, oh nothing my God. in that episode because works. I was, I dude, that got me in the feels when Orko's like, "No, I can do this. I'm not afraid," and he sacrifices himself to save the others. I was like, "No." Orko, he did something like, useful. It's, just, it's one of those things like he's deathly in bed. Yes. Then he's fine. And then he's all powerful enough to stop something. And then he conveniently dies. And then he so it just killed. didn't work for me. And, and the whole thing with Tila figuring out who she is. And that was just oh, yeah. so, so everyone faces their fears. And Tila's big fear is kind of human, but really herself, her old self or whatever it was it wasn't even anything no, it, was it was like she can't figure out like what she's supposed to do basically. like they tried to do the thing from like return of the jedi or whatever or, or or empire strikes back when luke goes into the thing and he sees darth vader and that was his fear but his rear fear was he was going to become darth vader and so it's like the same kind of thing but like they did it it didn't make any sense because on one hand okay the difference is that luke his dad was fucking evil yeah. Right. Yeah. His fear was becoming his. Her fear was what becoming like he man. Like yeah, what was that, her fear? Like, I don't get. Ma- I, I, I don't get. I don't get what the fear was. That didn't so, make a lot of sense. She, uh, yeah. I don't know. So look, th- mm. This is what my. Uh, we have to get. Let's get to the end. Okay. So, wait. But but Scareglow. Do you know about Scareglow? Yeah. He was a toy. He was the last Masters of the Universe yeah. toy they made. He wasn't even in the original cartoon. No. And I thought he looked great here. Uh, the the design. No, that's are great. awesome. Yeah, it's okay. Awesome so to see him. The last episode, they get to heaven, right? Preternia. Mm-hmm. Adam is there, and you know, and the difference in this show is that when Adam is Adam, he is just like a normal sized dude, as opposed to in the original show, he was this jacked meek guy. Didn't really right. make a lot of sense. It was weird. So this one, he's small and he gets big, but here in Preternia, but he's, you can't give that credit. For this show, because the 2002 show did oh, all they this pulled, stuff. So, okay, we'll get into that because this show pulls from everything before. It, yeah. And yeah. it does it well. So, but uh, don't give credit to Kevin Smith okay, for thinking all right, it. All right. Because he didn't all think right. it. Oh, shit. I, another oh, yeah. great Easter egg I loved in Paternia was the, the, the set, the playset, the giant Paternia playset that they used to have is like there. I was like, oh my God, that was the giant playset. Anyways, all the original. Masters of the Universe champions are there. You got Hero. You got the original Skull. You got all these random Viking, the original Viking. You got like a He-Man Conan the design. Barbarian guy. Adam has the other half of the sword that they need. So they do end up getting both sides of the sword, right? Yeah. Uh, and they even, they find Adam in, in Preternia and basically um, they need him to unite the sword and use the power of Grayskull, right? So he says, look, look I'm going to come out of Preternia. I'm going to leave heaven and and everybody, all the guardians or, or, or the Eternians or whatever those guys, the, the first heroes say, well, if you leave, you can't come back. You you know, you know, have an afterlife here and you're, you're rejecting the afterlife. So if you go back to Earth and you die. Yeah, your spot's not going to be here. You, you're, you, you, you miss out on, on eternity. So uh, Adam, of course, is selfless, and he decides to go and do it. And he opens up the – he does exactly what he's told. He goes to Castle Grayskull, 
unites the swords, recreates the power sword. And as he's saying, by the power of Grayskull, Skeletor appears and kills him. Oh, oh or, shit. Or, it stabs or, him in the back. Mortally or, wounds him. Yeah. Whether he dies, we don't know, but he's he probably won't die. He's, he's hurt. But that was a shocking moment because he go, you know, he's got the sword up. He's like by the power of Grayskull and you see all the magic come back and you see everything return. And then chunk, you just see this thing go through him. So now Skeletor this whole time has been hiding in Evil Lynn's staff. She flips back, goes back to Skeletor, even though they bonded and I thought they were friends. But no, she's Evil Lynn. It was a big long con. It was the know? long con. And at the end, Skeletor says the words he says by the power of grayskull i have the power becomes the master of the universe oh, shit and ends on that fucking cliffhanger yeah, he becomes skella god is that what it is he's like a, why, why when i can become a god he's a skella man yeah skella god yeah. i love that ending i was like oh fuck and by the end of this i was in and i was like oh fuck what's gonna happen now i need to see the rest of this i uh enjoyed it for what it was i didn't love it i i I was like, I was okay with it. I was yeah, like, okay. I mean, it is ultimately, it's okay. It has a few emotional moments that I liked. A lot of people die. He kills, Robo, you know, Roboto dies, Orko dies. Pretty uh, much no female characters die, but only males do. Oh, that's a good point. But to their credit, they have pulled a lot from the original mini comics, from the 2002 animated series, and even the movie rugs. Did you notice the flying discs in the chase scene? Yeah, well, th those were in the 2002 <laughs> series as well. Oh, they were? Okay, I remember that. Uh, Imran, you gotta watch movie. that series. Oh, I've watched it. It's a long time ago. That series is great. It's because... This is one of the things that, okay, like, um, let's talk about the, 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 the controversy yes. and this and that. All right. So if you're just going to look at it just as it, what, at what it is, yeah. it's fine. It's, it's fine. a fine show. Exactly. It has a hero's journey. Exactly. Yes. It, it's interesting. There's, there's character development and all that stuff. So it's all there. It's got Easter eggs for the fans and this and that. And it's, it's got, um, definitely, a lot of this, a lot of like things hidden in there for the fans and and all that stuff. So on that level, it, it is successful and the music's good and all that stuff. So it, the, the animation, the performances fine. are great. The design is yeah. great. The animation is fine. I do think Sarah Michelle Geller was miscast as yes. this. Okay, can I just say this right now? My only pro, Lena Headey is Eva Lynn's fantastic. Davos as Man in Arms, fantastic. My only issue was with Sarah Michelle Gellar. And because when you hear her talk, you just see Buffy. I just see, I could, took well, me out of it. I didn't believe it was. Same Tila. thing with Skeletor. Sound like the Joker to me. Like, yeah, you know, he was, he, Mark Hamill was trying to dial it down, but he, yeah, you can't help it. So like, I can't give a straight a to the performances. I think overall it was really good. Um, the, the thing I liked the best out of the entire show is the way Beastman looked. Like he actually looked fucking badass, which is which I which I was been waiting for for the longest time because I thought, why would be Beastman look like such a schmuck? But like they yeah, he looked and, awesome, and um, so they made him made him look great. Again, I liked Orko Gr Griffin Newman, who plays Arthur on the Amazon Tick Show, voiced Orko, and he like did the voice. He didn't use a voice changer. I I loved Orko. So if you watch the show in in kind of like devoid of of having a stance as a fan, it's fine. It's fine. I don't have a huge problem with it. Now, if you want to put it into context of what went down with Kevin Smith, I could see why people are pissed because they he gave them a reason to be pissed. Did he lie to them? Yeah, I think that 
look, he should have just sacked up and or, or not said anything. But what he did was create. I, I don't know if he was trying to create press or whatever, but he, he ended up creating like his own quagmire. Like, so anyway, uh, long ago on a He-Man convention, they put up a a blurb of what the show was going to be about. And it clearly said that it was going to be a Tila's show. Oh, and, and it, it was, uh, someone had screen captured it or took a, took a photo of it. And then a bunch of these like uh YouTubers got a hold of it and started asking Kevin Smith about it. And he said, no, he man's in every episode. He doesn't die. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. We, I don't sideline him. And, and so, that made everybody mad because they had this blurb that was from them that says it was from the, it was basically Tila's adventure. Mm. And, um, and I think it made everybody even more mad when the trailer came out and they saw how great the animation was and like, Oh, they're going to waste all of this great production value on a Tila show. Right. So they were even more pissed that, that he denied it. And then all of a sudden they saw like the potential of how great the show could be. And they're like, realized that they weren't going to get it. And then, so he kept on denying it. They kept on catching him in lies. Then they started digging through his old stuff and seeing that he really wasn't a Masters of the Universe fans. And even on his book show, Comic Book Men and multiple interviews, he says he doesn't like He-Man all the time. So, wow. Um, and he, he, when he presented the show, he came, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm the biggest fan of this show, blah, blah, blah. So he got just caught lying or misrepresented. So it made people go, oh, this is the, He's become the thing that he hated when he was first coming out. Like he's become this like Hollywood guy that just says anything to protect his show and doesn't. So really- he's become co- the company man in essence when yeah. his career was built on going against the towing the line so, and being the company man. Now they got him dead to rights. So what happens is in order to now let's also ad- address the other elephant in the room that there are you know toxic guys who like don't want to see you know their heroes be changed in any way or whatever and i don't think that that's necessarily toxic in in and of itself but i think that the way that they act is toxic i think that there's one thing to be like listen i expect i want my expectations to be met not subverted when i want to see a he-man show i want to see a he-man show when i see a godzilla movie like godzilla singular point came out he was barely in it. I did not like that because he was barely in it. There's people who love that series, but I don't like it because he was Godzilla. The, the the reason, the thing that it was titled for was not in it and it was mishandled. And it was to me like, you know, it, it wasn't worth the price of admission to watch the show. So do I, am I toxic because I, they, I watched a Godzilla show and, and I was mad that Godzilla wasn't in it. No, I, I don't think that's toxic, but attacking people and making people like, Whatever, that's toxic. So I think a, a lot of people were disappointed that He-Man wasn't focused on He-Man. It wasn't focused on the epic battle. Of, but we haven't but, seen the rest of the show. Could it? Do you think he continues to sideline? Because, yeah, if you wouldn't say sideline, he was a little bit sidelined in these first five episodes right. now. But this is half the show. So anyway, but the point is, is that, um, like... This 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 half came out and it 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 didn't divert from any of those expectations no, it that, didn't, that, that 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 people were predicting. So it just caused a big quagmire. Like you have these fanboys who number one caught Kevin lying, and then you have like the people who are trying to protect the show pointing out that there's toxic people that are just 
mad about any kind of progress being made and any kind of diversity or any kind of representation being made and that those people are bad, but neither of them are really wrong. Like the people who caught Kevin Lyon, they did catch him lying. Yeah. And the people who are kind of in bad faith, like putting down the show because of progress or thing, you know, they're also, they're also right for, to be mad at those people. So like there is kind of a quiet, but there, but in a lot of ways, there are things that Kevin Smith made a mistake in. They made things worse. Now, what I've heard from Kevin Smith in various interviews is like one of the quotes is that like, why would Mattel hire me to kill their character? Like they're not, they want to sell toys. They don't right. want. He told fans to grow the fuck up. So yes. if, if, if he's standing behind that now, can you trust Kevin Smith at this point when he says something? Not really. Because he's he's completely uh, towed the company line and lied his ass off. So um, just because he said that, what does that really mean? Nothing. But if you're led to believe that, okay, the second part of the series is going to kind of be about taking like Adam down to he's been stabbed in the back. He's at his death's door. He has no if he dies, he can't go to Praternia. The stakes are super high. Yeah. And then he rises up and becomes He-Man again. I think everyone will probably uh, s- this show will sit well with people in the future, like a lot better than in the first half is. So he's right? promising more He-Man action in the second half uh, right. of the show. Now there is a now what happens is is that these YouTubers that got Kevin Smith down for the count right now because they caught him dead to rights lying. <laughs> They're looking at everything and they caught an interview with the person who plays Andra. And they said that during her, okay. her rehearsal, her, Tiffany her, Smith. Her, her audition, they made her do uh, a, uh, by the power of a gray skull. I have the power. Oh, see shit. what it would sound like. Oh, what does that mean? So that made, that made them speculate that, uh, that she was going to be the new he man. What is the source on this? Is this legitimate? She said it herself in an interview. She said it in an interview. Mm-hmm. When they were interviewing her about how she got the part. Maybe they made everybody say it just to have it. I don't know. It's true. They could be using that. That's entirely possible. And it makes that's plausible. That could throw everybody but, off. But they got that one nugget. Yeah. And they're going to use it yeah. to make clicks. Right. They're going to use it to bait people. So um, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And so if this thing got out of control, it was so hilarious like, to watch. So um, on one hand, if Kevin Smith takes Adam down all the way down to Brock bottom and brings him back up and restores like, you know, him as He-Man and, uh, and, and Eternia. And the rumor is that uh, uh, the new sorceress is going to be Tila, the person who hates magic, now loves magic, you know, and that's a that's a character arc in this cartoon you know where it where it at where it's at now somebody has to take down skeletor in the second half adam is wounded i i kind of feel like tila is gonna approach evil lynn and appeal to whenever they bonded they had a little bonding moment and try to flip her back so the three girls stop skeletor my prediction is that part one is going is all about the flip side of he-man which is tila Okay. Yeah. And part two is going to be all about Evil Lynn. I mean, I kind of like this Evil Lynn, and the more like that you got to know her, and the more she let her guard down, I was like, this is an interesting character. I was because you can tell it. that Kevin Smith is trying to be subversive here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. he 
I mean, he's always been subversive. That's that's one of the things he does. But like, he's being subversive as he's not exploring, you know, Skeletor and He Man. They've had years of of coverage, right, in his eyes. Um, so he's gonna now. They asked the question in the show, like, why are you bending over for Skeletor, uh, evil? And like, you could totally have the power, right? And maybe she's gonna. They, that seed has been planted, and so maybe it'll come to fruition in in part two. And, you know, it'll be about Evil Lynn and how maybe she's the one who takes down Skeletor. Yeah, it's something like that's going to happen because that's the only way it's going to have to be his own right hand person is going to have to take him down because he's going to go crazy. By the way, that was Henry Rollins as Triclops. Wonderful job. Right. Didn't expect that. And uh, Mossman, I just want to smoke a joint with Mossman. Oh, shit. I really I really hope that they bring back this whole techno thing. Oh, okay. The cult, the Triclops cult. Yeah. Because I think that's, it's a great foil for the magic. And, and he, man, the great thing about masters of the universe, even as a kid was that there was this kind of sci-fi fantasy, like sort. It's like on one hand, it's got like swords and half naked men. And then on the other hand, it's got science it's and, got, and, 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 and technology. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then there's magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, all right. Well, so if you had to give this first half a number there, rugs, what number? On a scale of one to 10? Out of 10, what would you give it? I would say, look, at the end of the day, I wouldn't make this series if I was Kevin Smith. I wouldn't make it this way. Even though, like, I like kind of like some of the things, the journeys that I've been on and then like the characters. I just think if I'm making this for the fans, the people that are really been waiting, I would do something a little bit more, um, a little bit more like, cause I, I saw the 2002 series. I watched it. That's a great it. series. Still be- and, it's better than this. And I just remember the first episode, right, right off the bat, the yeah. first episode, you learn about Skeletor before he became Skeletor and he was a wizard named Keldor. You learn about the elders yeah. of magic yeah. who created Castle Grayskull and all yeah. of the magic yeah. in eternity who, who power the sorceress and all and, and create He-Man. And you learn about all of this fucking deep lore and all that stuff. And a lot of people didn't see that 2002 thing. Oh, no, it was slept on. But the thing is, that's a little different, Rugs. That is an ongoing series. You have more episodes. It had several seasons. You can take time. This is you know, they were literally reintroducing everything to a new audience. But you, but this then, is different. This but is that like, was a meandering series. It wasn't like okay, we're gonna tell a story like a one arc. Oh, uh, you know, it was just kind of like a meandering series. Like they would do these. You kind of like Thundercats. They yeah, had like episodes. Like, right. Like villain of the week kind of one off. episodes. Yeah, yeah. Some of them were tied together and some of them were arcs. But overall, like there was only like a few of them that were really strung together, um, like in, in continuity. So the point is, is that that 2002 series like was like this kind of meandering. It had two different uh, seasons and Ski-Man got like different armors and shit throughout <laughs> like battle armor and weird fucking sh- armor that looks like uh like he's covered in fucking like rob layfield shit oh with pouches lots of pouches <laughs> i don't think there's pouches oh. but there's definitely like metal un- metal collars like, and, and yeah bracelets. like yeah. Uh, a- a- asymmetrical armor everywhere yeah. um they're trying something different <laughs> but it was still very cool and very true to everything and it was it was kind of serious and dark and, and and i don't think people died i think that was one of the cool things about what Kevin Smith wanted to yeah, do he's was that he wanted he wanted to have stakes. He wanted yeah. people to die. Yeah. 
And why not? You have fucking axes and laser guns and, and crazy I thought he shit. he was successful at that. There was stakes. There was some great cliffhanger yeah. moments and some great deaths. So, so anyhow. Number, what would you give it? Uh, I said, I wouldn't have made this. I would have tried to make something a little bit more like the 2002 series or on steroids with some deaths. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give it a 5.5. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like it's good. It's um, It's well done. There's some good character stuff, but it's not really what I would what I would like be like. Oh, this is I, I'm interested in what how this how this version's going to finish. Yeah, but I'm treating it like an Elseworlds. It's like to me, it's like this is not you know I don't, how the story would really go. I think it takes a lot of liberties with the characters, like making Tila like just be so pissed that she didn't know Adam was He-Man that she fucking rejects everything and becomes this fucking crazy mercenary. Like I don't, I don't buy that for a second. So not only that, but one of the things that I always thought in the back of my mind is the reason, why do you think the sorceress picked Adam out of all the people in Eternia Uh to be He-Man to be the champion master? Why do you think that is? Give me your, your opinion. Hmm. Because that's a good uh, question. I don't know because he didn't believe in himself, and it really he had the capacity to do it, and he wouldn't be. Uh, You're uh, close. He would. He he would. He won't be turned, or or his soul won't be darkened. He's always, he was in. He was kind of like this pure innocent pure. guy that had no wants. Ah, he didn't no want desires. power. He had no desire right. to be king. That's the thing. You want you want to give power to the person that doesn't want it because they won't yes. abuse it. Yeah, he's this guy who's like kind of like he doesn't he's like really just like this gentle guy that doesn't really want anything for himself. Right, right. So to give the power to Tila or to somebody else that wants to be like uh, aggressive and and great and bad and great. Right. I think that that's would be that would pervert the power of Grayskull. That's why Man at Arms wasn't chosen. That's why a lot of other people weren't chosen. That's why Adam was chosen. He's the reason why he was this meek kind of like undes- like un- unassuming man that was very gentle. And I think that that says a lot that the power of someone who's pure of heart yep. can like, just like Frodo can right. mask, can hold the ring. It's the same thing. And it's very poignant. Yeah. So I don't think the power should go to anybody that that's not unlike Adam. It, right, it needs to either go back to Adam or someone like that. And you saw the other champions; they were all probably like that. But he kept his form. He he did, he didn't even. He was so like not wanting to be He Man that yes. even when he could be He Man, he chose not to yes, be He Man in Heaven. He chose to be his less self, and everyone else was their jacked power self, which was interesting. So that tells you a lot about Adam. Yeah, there you go. Um, I thought overall, like you said, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Uh, the, the cast is really good aside from Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, but it's, it, this is tricky, a tricky thing to do because as we talked about, Motu has all sorts of different fans. So when you are trying to say, this is a continuation of that thing you loved, you're not going to please everybody. That's a fucking hard thing to do to even attempt. So yeah, you got people who like it for the show for different reasons. You yeah. people who like the toys, people who read the comics before the cartoon came out, people who only watched the cartoon yep. and then bought the toys. Yeah. And then people who like got into it because of kind of, it had, it had a whole mystique about it. That was kind of a, all these different like subtext to it. So 
Yeah, there's a, di- a bunch of different kinds of fans. I mean, it's a great idea, and I don't know why Mattel wanted to attempt this when there's a whole other ongoing CG animated He-Man show about to come out, and this is like a one and done. Uh, but for all of that, and I want to see, I thought it ended better than it started. I got into it by the end. I'm going to give it like a six and a half, uh, but I think the second half is going to be important. Uh, I think... The reason why I didn't rate it higher is because of that 2002 show. Give still it a very, I'm going to give it a seven. It's still, it's still very fresh in my mind, and I still think that it didn't eclipse a show that came out in 2002. That is true, and that's kind of crazy. That other show is still overall better. But again, it has more episodes. It was a different thing. It's overall thing. better He-Man. It's better He-Man. This is yeah. a from a different perspective. This, this, is, is a be- this is a better, like... Heroic narrative. The sh- listen, the show is called Masters of the Universe Revelation. It's not called He Man, right? And it's Revelation. True. It's w- one. It's not plural. So, what is the revelation that we're going to get at the end? Um, so, it's about the universe. And as far as getting to see all these people, like they were, then they're still being badass. It's fun, but it's fine. You know what? It's fine. Uh, let's see if we could stick the landing. Probably not. If Kevin Smith sticks the landing, if. If what he does is restores He-Man at the end of this and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, Skeletor, all this kind of stuff is like where it should be at the end. Then I think that people are going to be more forgiving. If um, he goes in a different direction and we get this thing where He-Man is no longer He-Man, I don't think people are going to like I that. foresee more mad dudes in the future. We'll see what happens. Okay, let's do some news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. It sounded like a balloon. It's last dying breath. <laughs> uh, here's what uh, the nation thought about the He-Man Masters of the Universe show. Dylan McCandless said, I liked it. I felt I feel like some people are going to be angry about a certain story decision that was made, but personally, it didn't bother me. I like how much development they gave to all of our favorite side characters. They did some very interesting things with the lore, and that cliffhanger was something else. Yeah, that's good. Steve Morrison says it honors Motu and builds on it. I've rewatched the old Motu, and I mean, I almost want to kick 10-year-old me in the pills for liking it. It's a silly show. (laughs) It's so silly. Uh, He says, this is my childhood told like an MCU storyline. Got two more episodes to get through, but go for the long drive, not the short game, people. Yeah, that original show had a moral at the end of every episode. You learned something. They had a moral (laughs) lesson. The The thing that bothers me is that when people talk about He-Man, they only talk about that show. But there was another show in 2002 yeah, that had yeah, two everyone, seasons. Yeah, everybody slept that, on this show. That, not everyone. The, people, the Motu fans watched it. They watched it, yeah. Right? So I think that when someone says, oh, you like a show, this stupid, silly show, I'm like, no, what about the show in 2002 that yeah. all the fans watched? Like that, that, like, it's, it's like that's saying Batman... The Batman TV show was the only Batman. Right. You're like, Batman 66, like, this is what you like? You're like, no, dude. No, no we I, like fucking I, Batman. <laughs> dude, when I saw that 2002 show, I was shocked. I was like, wow, you can really elevate this and like make it actually something uh, good. And- they tried to make another He-Man show like after Masters of the Universe. Yeah. 
uh, that was like a like a Japanese animation version where he He Man goes to another planet and Skeletor follows him there. Yeah, and everybody fucking categorically hated it because it didn't. <laughs> it wasn't because it wasn't like Masters of the Universe. It was yeah. like taking He Man and Skeletor and putting them in a whole different not not in Eternia or anything. So. People rejected that show, and no one was like, "Oh, angry man fanboys." No, they're just like that show sucked. And they moved and on it's with fine. their lives. Yes, yeah, and no one was like, "You're man baby," because you didn't like that show. No, but it clearly was not good. Yeah, it was, and yeah. so they res- they went on and they restored it back to you know what was in the original figures and all that stuff, and people love that. I new mean, you kind of seen the like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles go through this, and there's several ititer- iterations of the animated show, and. They sometimes they're good and sometimes not good. Uh, well, that that yeah. first iter- the first iteration was pretty solid though. Yeah, that's true. So it was for kids though, and, and, and introduced pizza and colored headbands. But right, uh, Justin Werner says, "You mean the Tila show? Kevin Smith really screwed this up, in my opinion." Oh shit! Uh, David Zika said five minutes, and I was like, "Yeah, this is still a dumb show for kids." Uh. All right. Daniel Liedel said, I thought it was pretty good overall. The flashbacks, for the most part, played very close to the original material. The continuation of the story was still goofy and faithful to the original, but played a little more serious. Chris Marin says, I love how people are calling this the Tila show, yet have not watched to the end. Yes, I agree. It was poorly marketed with ads only containing He-Man and that they could have left it a couple episodes before nerfing him and Skeletor. However, this is exactly what I was hoping for. More mindless action that is superbly animated and some backstory on some of the toys. I mean, characters. See, Chris Barron gets it. That's exactly. That's the show right there. Uh, Mike Tchaikovsky says, I'm stunned. He dorks hate this. Oh, it's filled with toy references. Fucking Wonder Bread He-Man shows up in it. Rugs, are you familiar with the Wonder Bread He-Man? Yeah, he looked like Zodak, but with like a a, a black uh, vest or whatever. Yeah, he right? was when when they're in uh, Preternia. He's one of the original champions. He doesn't have any lines. He's in the background, but his name was Wondar, the Savage He Man, uh, and he's kind of like a lore and a myth in collecting circles. He was created as part of a Wonder Bread tie-in promotion, and it's a very rare uh, well, toy, I, I believe. I think when um they were designing He Man, they wanted to make him more like Flash Gordony. Oh, so they gave him like that futuristic chest plate, yes, and, yes. and they tested it, and they said, "No, we want him Nobody to go." And because Conan the Barbarian had just come out and was killing it. Well, that other guy, the Viking-looking He Man, Vicor, that is the original design of He Man. The first sketch they did, yeah, and decided to make it less Vikingy. So, yeah. I mean, it's filled. This thing is filled with amazing. Easter eggs, if you are like know your Absolutely. lore, it's more than like it goes past my knowledge. Uh, Blake Braden, this here, here's another interesting perspective. This is coming from an absolute Motu novice, but I really enjoyed the show. Probably coming into this not knowing any lore or expectations helped. I'm seeing the show get review bombed for the lack of He Man. Didn't bother me, but again, that's because I don't know. I didn't know that there was expectations going in. So if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes rugs right now. The critics love this show. 96% average. Of, that means nothing of, of to tomato me. Tomato meter. Audience score 39%. Uh, 
Yeah, I think that's a little bit unfair. I think it should be more like, I would probably believe more like a 50%. This is definitely the effect of a review bombing, which for TV shows, Rotten Tomatoes hasn't put in a system to stop it. Now for movies, and we've talked about this, to believe an audience reaction to score, you have to prove through Fandango that you bought a ticket to see that movie, right? So, and I think that's been working, but for TV shows, it's still the Wild West. You can take down a TV show. Not that anybody cares. How do you prove that you have fucking Netflix? No, that's exactly the point is you can't prove that you watch the show. As I said, I do think that they're, if you're, if you're a He-Man fan and He-Man's your favorite character and he's not in the show, I could see you not liking the show as much as if he was in it. Just like when I watched Godzilla singular. Sure, sure, sure. And Godzilla was that you even tried to watch it and Godzilla's like, no Godzilla in it, right? Yeah, it was hard to follow a little bit. Yeah, and it was just, uh, yeah. So just because like, you know, and remember they made a He-Man series where they took He-Man out of Eternia and people didn't like that and no one faults them for not liking it. So I think people cannot like it and not be called man babies or he dorks or whatever (laughs) you Whatever you want to sit there and clap. I think that that's just as bad as anything else. Like just blanketly throwing people into a box when they, when they might have legitimate reasons for not liking yeah, but something. At the same time, look, I'm on the other side, it's only half the show and I'd liked a different perspective. It was a little different to learn more about these side characters. But if they didn't want it to be absorbed like that, they shouldn't have released it half. They're going to get, I mean, you're get, we're getting reviewed on what you gave us. That's a good point. And, but then we could all be eating our words like, when it comes back and it's all like, full do, human do action. we, did we not in, in uh, review Endgame on the basis of the movie that it was not that it was half of a story yeah, being yes. told? And Infinity War was, oh, this is, so half I think that's an illegitimate argument to make. All right. Stop doing that. Fine. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Lame. Look, I just understand that. It's not for the two things can be true at the same time. Number one, it's not the worst thing. It's actually yes. pretty, pretty fun to watch. Yes. And, and, and whatever, but I can understand from it's a certain also point of maybe view, not a He-Man show. It, it, it could be frustrating and not really a show about He-Man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can, at yeah. this point. Yeah. At this point, what we've seen. Yes. yes. All right. Yeah. It's a, it's very interesting to watch and there's no uh, date release date for the second half. I don't know. They coming do you out. Think, you should put it out you, as soon as possible. Do you think Kevin Smith is like making changes? Or do you think he's going down with his ship? I don't know. I kind of felt like they, the, the show is the second half is done and maybe it's past the point that he can make changes. Um I think he's I think he's gonna stick to whatever he had planned. All right, because I just think all right, he says he said that would Mattel hire me to kill their main flagship right. character? Right, and he's not dead. Adam is wounded. He's technically not dead. Um, regardless, there's going to be a new series aimed at kids. Yeah. It's 3D yeah. that has He-Man in the title, so he should be in it, and you'll be fine, everyone, okay? You'll be fine. <laughs> everyone relax. Okay, let's just finish with some quick what are we watching, Rugs? you have anything to recommend that you watch oh, that was good? Oh, Jesus, what am I watching? Am I watching anything? Oh, God. Oh, I was watching stuff, These this PBS stuff that was about – Generation Y, Generation X, and gener- and the millennials and the the boomers and how who's blaming who for everything. It's very interesting to watch. <laughs> Sounds great. I I will recommend a couple of music documentaries if you're looking for 
something that's kind of depressing and dark. Oh, I saw Woodstock 99. I saw Woodstock that. Woodstock 99 on HBO Max is a, uh, is a fascinating uh, study of uh, Woodstock 99 literally going down in flames. And it'll just, it's a little, it's a little depressing the way I people felt like, act. I felt it was very depressing, but I also felt it was not biased, but like they didn't really, they kind of just like, just centered in on one particular thing. A little and didn't bit really... had an agenda, maybe a yeah, little bit, yeah. yes. And they weren't, but you know, the promoters. It's clearly, it's clearly a result of the of of what's happening now. It's like of people trying to put what's happening now into the past. You know, yeah, it's a little bit of that. But then when you watch the documentary and you think about you know what happened, it makes complete sense what happened. And what happened is you know at the, when Kurt Cobain killed himself rock fractured into all these things. And by the end of the decade, it was just this angry music of people wanted to, I want to break shit for no reason. It just I don't ended think up that's there. true. I just think that there's certain bands that were in this lineup that were the lineup was fucked. Also, there was, yeah. there was a fuck. That's, not just, like, like, that's like such a stupid thing to say. Imran like, no. 1999, there was plenty of fucking happy-go-lucky shit all over the place. I'm talking about rock music, though. Mainstream rock music. Uh, yeah, know. there was fucking the Counting Crows and the fucking That's true. Drops of Jupiter and all fucking harmless shit. They just weren't in, in this. They weren't in here. This lineup They were is- using corn. Uh, <laughs> fucking rap. Like, you notice that there's fucking like uh, rap metal, like fucking. Yes, the rap metal. Limp Biscuit. Yes. Yeah, that was like uh, it was it was huge. But because the hilarious thing is they had Corn, Megadeth, Metallica, Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine, and then in between all this, you had Alanis Morissette and Jewel, and and you and- notice that they didn't show Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> no, set. I know that was interesting because their 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 aggression is fine because it's against uh you know the it's main got a reason, but- and it is more intelligent aggression. But to be still, fair. it's still aggressive, and people still moshed. I mean, Fred Durst would come out of a giant toilet. That was their shtick, was coming out of a toilet at their show, Limp Bizkit. That's the Rage Against the Machine is completely different. Okay. I, it, it's still aggressive. The whole point of this concert is, is that there was a, a super aggressive concert. And it was very hot. And, and so they cho- you don't think that they chose to leave out Rage Against the Machine? No, they definitely made a point to leave out Rage Against the Machine right, on, on purpose. Yes. Because they're political. Yes. And it was a little skewed. I will give it It was that. completely skewed. You know, and then they kind of glossed over like, this, this rap metal. It was, it was so misogynistic. I'm like, well, so was rap. Rap was misogynistic. Rap was like, of course, like, you know, whatever. Like, everything was mis- like the most popular fucking albums were like, like, uh, you know, like shit that was like very degrading to women. You know, like people hit, talking about slapping women with their freaking shoes and pimping and blah, blah, blah. I mean, like the agenda of the movie really is to be like, look at all these angry white men at the end of the 90s causing problems, right? Right. That's so it's what, like, that, it wasn't it, just them. It was everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like the, all everybody in that, in the genres, like, because the 90s were about pushing the, the limits, right? Like you had people like Howard Stern pushing the limits of what you could do on radio. People were pushing the limits of what you could do in movies, uh, language. And now, like, we don't think anything of language in, in music where, like, you turn on a song and oh, it's just you have to bleep the whole fucking thing. <laughs> now you, 
you don't have to bleep anything anymore because now you're just listening to Spotify unedited fucking Cardi B talking about her vagina like in ad nauseum. And so it's not even like anything new, but like back then it would it was like this pushing against the man. The man who's like telling us what to say, this to be whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you had like Rage Against the Machine telling you about like political shit. You had public enemy. You had all of this kind of like aggressive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even like the lynch mob and yeah. ice cubes and, like and all that stuff. That was even earlier than that. Yeah. It was very militant and very like aggressive. And there was even like rack rock. Remember like when they had the trespass or they had the, the soundtrack where yes, they had all where, that. Oh, it's a great horrible movie. Fe- judgment, judgment night, judgment night. Why yeah, is it trespass? That was the yeah. other movie about it. It was similar, but no, this, this soundtrack had a, Hip hop group with a metal band, you know, like Cypress Hill and remember Ice Team Body Count. Yes, that's where Body Count came. Think about think about the late nineties and put it in perspective, Imran. Like the, that documentary was very focused on vilifying just. Oh, it absolutely that. was. No, it absolutely was, and it's yeah. clear. And you know, you have to know that watching it, it was like all over the place. People were just giving the finger to everything and being angry. Yeah, if you want a more hopeful music documentary that's a different tone and has amazing musical performances, check out Summer of Soul on Hulu, made by Questlove. Have you heard about this, Rugs? Oh yeah, it's it's on my it's on my schedule to watch. I guess got to make time to check it out. This is fantastic. It tells the story of this is crazy, and I didn't know this. In the summer of 1969 in Harlem. Over six weekends, they held this soul festival, music festival. 30, 40,000 people would show up every weekend. Uh, you had people like Stevie Wonder, Sly and the Family Stone, Nina Simone, lots of gospel, lots of funk, amazing music. It was filmed to be later packaged and sold to a TV station. What happens? Well, Woodstock 69 movie comes out. It overshadows the whole thing. The guys can't sell the footage to anybody. Nobody wanted to air at all Black Woodstock. It was like Black Woodstock, a Black Soul Festival. The footage sits in a dude's basement for 50 years. Oh, shit. Until Questlove pulls it out, and he does something brilliant in the documentary. He brings people who perform there and who attended it as kids and shows them the footage for the first time, and the reactions are great. This one dude was like, I can't believe this is real. He's like, I thought this was a memory that I had that I made up. Like people didn't know that this happened and they forgot. And the footage is beautiful. It's the sound is great. The performances are amazing. Uh, Definitely worth checking out. That's such a heroic thing for Questlove to do. Oh my God. It was crazy. I was like, I feel like that's fucking so great. Like to shine light on something that was forgotten. That was fucking sick. And like, no one talks about it anymore. And to sit there and dig it up and create like a great concert documentary, which I can't wait to watch. I got to get, get to it, but the music is so good. Yeah. I, I I'm going to check that out. And then the last thing uh, there's on Netflix, that series, the movies that made us, which I love is so much fun. You know, it's got very fast paced narrator and a lot of jokey things. They got four new episodes out. Uh, these are about pretty woman, Jurassic park, back to the future and Forrest Gump. And they're all great. You learn a lot of crazy things that uh, I stuff I didn't know. Cool. Yeah. So check that out. That's it this week, everybody. Uh, hopefully the jock will be rested up and back to review Suicide Squad next week with us. Rugs, where can the people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at really Rugboy. Come follow me 
at me, you motherfuckers. Follow us. Do all of that. Visit the show notes. Subscribe. Share it with a friend. We'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Rug Boy. <laughs> he's the Rug Boy. And he's the nerd. We'll keep you next time. I am altering the people. Pray I don't alter it any further. Fuck you, Disney. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck's sake, man, you're